be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you. At that time, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. Jesus replied, Do not prevent him. There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can at the same time speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Anyone who gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ, amen I say to you, will surely not lose his reward. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than with two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life crippled than with two feet to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into Gehenna, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Growing up at St. Anne's, I had occasion to uh, watch, as often happens, the communion procession. So instead of actually praying, I was gawking. Um, and I would often liken the communion procession and the distribution of communion to like the divine Pez dispenser. Like we just absentmindedly get into line and Holy Communion gets doled out and we go back to our seats or we bolt out the church. And there's that lack of awareness of, of the great gift of who the Lord is to us in, in the Eucharist. Uh, last week I was cleaning out some boxes and I found a gift that someone had given me last year for Christmas. So I guess it wasn't all that great of a gift, I suppose. But it was a Pez dispenser in the shape of a reindeer and it came with those packs of Pez. I'm not really sure if it's singular or plural, whatever. Um, so I opened it up and tried it out and what I realized, it, it kind of changed my perception of things a little bit. It's very easy to, to dismiss, let's say, uh, groups of people. But what I noticed when I, I opened up the little packs of Pez is that I had to insert each individual tablet or whatever they are into the container. Now someone pointed out after I got done last night that in fact you pop open the bottom and slide the whole thing in in one go. But in my case it was individual pieces, one at a time. So I noticed that I have this tendency sometimes to just simply dismiss out of hand. But loading that Pez dispenser, I had to pay attention to each one. Because if I didn't pay attention, I'd break one, or it just simply wouldn't fit. The people of Israel protested, the leaders protested because the gift of the Spirit was given to those people that weren't, a part, that weren't part of the group. 
The same thing happens in the gospel. The gift of the Spirit somehow is accessible in some ways to those people that don't claim, in some sense, to be a part of the disciples. And the Lord says, don't prevent them. Because somehow, as we hear from John chapter 3, the Spirit blows where he wills, lands where he wills, and invites. And what he asks of you and me is that we draw in and that we stay with him. And so when you look at the gospel passage, there certainly is the case where the Spirit lands out there with those who don't belong, with those somehow, let's say, who are not a part of our communion. But the Lord doesn't just simply say, just let it all happen as if it doesn't matter. Because you, as my disciples, you're to remain with me. You're supposed to fulfill communion in a more authentic way. So you come with me and let the Lord do the work that he's going to do one thing, one person at a time. And that was really the, the, the thrust of what I started to think about as I had to load individual tablets into that Pez dispenser. We can very easily shove aside various groups and miss out on the opportunity to focus in on individual moments and individual people. As you know, the Holy Father has spent a little bit of time in Cuba in the United States, and he gets ready to fly home this evening. Uh, and you know, we all have our own version of the commentary on whether his papal visit has been a success or a failure, uh, an opportunity for articulation of the truths of divine faith or a random assortment of general statements that anybody can buy into. Uh, but as people have been proclaiming, certainly the media, he becomes the people's pope in the mind of the world. Uh, he kind of calls himself the, the, the Pope of Mercy. And in this particular trip, he says, you know, I'm a missionary of mercy. And someone pointed out to me last Thursday, and it started all to kind of form together and click a little bit, that one of the things that ha has been highlighted in the Holy Father's uh, pontificate is that while he uses the language of going out to the peripheries, much of his language, much of his action uh, is focused on grabbing a hold of that spirit, that glimmer that's out there, and dragging people in slowly but surely, trying to recognize some of the good that's there, not excluding the bad, but notifying, noticing the good and dragging that person in. And you see that in some of the commentaries. I was reading something just yesterday afternoon, a woman who says, listen, I grew up Catholic, I don't proclaim to be a very faithful Catholic. I've got lots of issues, but there's something about this Pope. Now, if you backtrack, you see some of the same types of things happen in every pontificate, at least in the last century. But her, her description was important. There was something about him and there's something about the faith that's attractive. And his ability in his ministry to launch onto those good things, the glimmer that's out there and to invite it in is something that we need to be paying attention to. We can very easily dismiss because that person doesn't fulfill what I think or what I supposedly think the church thinks, is, thinks uh, fulfills being in full communion with the church. But that doesn't mean the Lord's not working. And I can easily dismiss, throw the group out on the side, and miss out on those individual moments where the Lord wants to invite specific people into a fuller communion. If the Lord said, go ahead and stop them, stop them from driving out demons, stop the spirit from working, only you in this select group can function. 
what would have happened? How would the Lord have been able to continue to work? He wants to work all over the world. He works in a very unique way in the midst of the, of the, of the church of Christ. But he's not bound by our version of restriction. His spirit moves, and, and the way the church generally thinks about that, where the spirit is, there is the church. Even in an objective sense, if you can't point out that cardinal, that bishop, that lay missionary in the midst of that work, he's still working and the church is still working. So it asks of us to be uh, very deliberate and very intentional about how we're engaging the faith, how we're embracing the gospel ourselves, and how we're paying attention to the individual needs of the person in front of us. The theme, we might say, of much of the Holy Father's pontificate is simply meeting people where they are. And he said something about that in either Philadelphia or New York. It all kind of blends together. Meeting people where they are and not where I want them to be. It's hard. Meeting people where they are and not where I want them to be. So as to invite them into the fullness of Christian faith and invite them into the fullness of the Catholic Church. If you look up into the sanctuary, it's a little hard to see from where most of you are sitting, but there's a, a copy of an oil painting of the Annunciation. And in the top corner, there's Gabriel in kind of his feminine splendor. It's a really strange print. Uh, but there's Gabriel coming to get, deliver the divine message to Our Lady. And she's kneeling as a child, basically, open to the gift of the Holy Spirit, bowed low in adoration before God, who is represented by the angel, with one hand close to her chest, and the other hand extended out uh, in longing, in reception, in desire. So keep that image for a moment. Whoever causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were put around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. If Gabriel came, and despite what Mary's objections were, despite her simplicity as a child, and just simply demanded that she follow the will of the Lord, no questions asked, no concern for where she was really coming from, no idea of her history, and just simply said, the divine word wants to be with you. God's word will be manifest. God's will will be made perfect in you. And he forced himself into her reality, what would her answer have been? Instead, he comes to her as she's able to understand God through this message of an angel. And there's space for her not to doubt, but to be able to step forward. How can this be? I've had no relations with a man. Not a denial of what God desires and what God wants, how God wants to wrap her into his divine plan, but a, a willingness to receive the message and to be drawn in. You and I are asked very clearly to look at individuals, not to say, well, that's left, that's right, that's liberal, that's conservative, that's just right, however it is, but to look at individuals, because if we don't do that, we risk causing the little ones to, to sin, and it would be better if a millstone were wrapped around our neck and we were thrown into the sea. In other words, we're worthy of condemnation if we just start dismissing out of hand 
this group and that. We are called to a particular kind of intimacy, a particular kind of deliberativeness in the gospel for the sake of the world and the salvation of souls, my soul, your soul, depends on it.